Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Okay, I want to talk about miracles. And miracles are good things, aren't they? And we need more of them. We want more of them. And, and if you're not enthusiastically saying, yes, I want more, than, more of them, then that's because you don't know what a miracle is, okay? All right? But there is a, a debate, I, I, and I've been a part of this debate in Christian circles as to whether God still does miracles today. And it might be a matter of semantics for some, that is, that a miracle, quote-unquote, might be defined as something that happens or happened out of the ordinary, but not necessarily influenced by God himself. So you see people talking about miracles, but I don't, they don't necessarily see that. They see it more as a kind of a coincidental, may the force be with you kind of an interruption in time. But I personally believe that God still, God himself, he intervenes in our lives personally and most certainly does miraculous works. And, and, and what we're talking about with a miracle is something extraordinary, something out of the ordinary, something that is happening even based on natural occurrences. You know, the sun goes up, the sun goes down. You know, our bodies react and do different things. And, and, and what we've seen happen a thousand times before does not happen this one particular time. That's what we would call a miracle in the sense of, again, that God intervenes and steps into that which is the ordinary and does something extraordinary, okay? So my belief is based on two solid things, or two solid truths, the way I, I look at it, is number one, that what Jesus did on earth, and in other words, my belief is based on these two things, my experiences, what Jesus did on earth and from heaven, okay? What he did, what I see in the scripture, what did he do? When Jesus came, he started doing miracles. When Jesus came to the earth and he, he came into his ministry, when he finally at 30 years old and stood up and he said, these things are fulfilled in your hearing, and, and he went out and, and he was led out to, for the fast for the 40 days and 40 nights, miraculous things began happening. And when he came back from that time, that anointing, that, that you know, coming into his, his position as the as the, uh, the Messiah, officially, on earth, miraculous things started happening. That's what he did. That is his ministry. And so when we think about who Jesus is, you can't think, in my mind, of who Jesus is without seeing people being healed, people being delivered, people being set free, ex- you know, supernatural things happen in my life. Okay? Just, I just can't see it otherwise. Because that's what Jesus did. And number two, my own personal experience with miracles and what I have witnessed, which may not be as strong to some in their mind. Well, just because you'd experienced it doesn't mean that everybody does. But at the same time, that certainly does strengthen my own belief. It strengthens me in knowing, man, yes, over and over again. I've seen God do miracles in my finances over and over again, primarily because I've believed in tithing and, and giving my, that my money doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. And the more that I'm able to follow and walk in that, the more that I understand it, the more I just see God blessing my socks off over and over again to the point, it's just, you know, it's beyond convincing for me. It's just like, 
you know, it's amazing. My own experience in those areas at times when I've had a physical need and just say, you know, as a pastor, there are times I'm praying for people, praying for people, and praying for people, and my back is aching. And I forget sometimes to just say, wait a minute, I can pray to ask God to heal me too. And I'll, and I'll just stop, and maybe I'll have Jamie pray for me, or I'll just, you know, just stop and just say, Lord, I need you to intervene and remove this from my body. I need you to touch me and watch God's hand and do those miraculous things, to pray for my children on a regular basis, for his protection, to, and, and just involve. To me, it's just like breathing in and out, that the miraculous is supposed to be a part of our life. Again, from my own personal experience, and, that's, you know, and what I've witnessed through ministry, what I've seen take place up here in the front. We're preparing for you some testimonies for, of, of people here in the church who've experienced the miraculous in some areas of their life, in the area of healing, and I, I can't wait to show it once we put it all together. But things I've witnessed. I'll, I'll share a few more of those as I get into the message. But Jesus' non-militaristic coming confused John the Baptist because he, he thought he was going to come and raise an army and they were going to march on Rome and then usher in the kingdom of God. That's what John was thinking. That's what everybody was thinking. There was going to be an earthly kingdom. So it confused him when he came and he just healed people. It's like, wait a minute, where, where, the, where the swords? Where are the arms? Where's the, where's the drums? Where's the stirring us up? Didn't happen. So John the Baptist got a little discouraged, a little depressed. John didn't see what he expected to see. But Jesus encouraged John by pointing to the miracles that he was performing. He just said, look, John, it's happening. I need you to, to, to not miss the forest for the trees. What's taking place here, John, is the kingdom of God breaking forth here on the earth. And it has to start on that level. Satan has done a lot of damage. He's captured a lot of people. He's done a lot of and poured out a lot of darkness. And this is what we're going to do, John. We're going to dismantle it one human being at a time. And he said, the kingdom of God is here. And so John, we're hoping, got it before he, he was beheaded and sent to heaven and finished his race. I'm sure he did. I'm sure, John, it totally changed what you would call your paradigm, your thinking, your hermeneutic, as in theology they call it, his whole idea of how he approached the Bible. And I think so many people experience that. Maybe they were, they were brought up and, and just say, well, God doesn't you know, move in the gifts today. God doesn't do this anymore. You know, I, I remember the story of many years ago, and I'll, I'll throw it in here, uh, and I heard the tape. I mean, this is going way back to the cassette tape. Remember those things? Uh, I had a tape of it. I kept it in my drawer whenever I just needed to get a bolster. And uh, James Dobson actually had it on his radio show. And what it was was uh, the recording of a man who um, had lost his voice. He was a pastor and a teacher. And what he, he was teaching and often taught that God didn't do miracles today. Over time, he had completely lost his voice, and he, but he wanted to keep teaching. And so he, he was talking like this. This is the way he talked. And, of course, that would just drive you nuts if you listened to that all the time. But there he was on the tape, and he was teaching. You know what he was teaching? How I, the book of I, I, Isaiah, in particular, Isaiah 51 and, and other places, do not teach that God still heals today. So it was a negative teaching. So he got talking like this, and all of a sudden, 
In the middle of the sermon, his voice was completely returned. You remember that, Leslie? Did you hear it? It's probably been 20 years ago. But it was amazing. You listen to a miracle take place with this guy who was saying that miracles don't exist, and he experienced one right on the spot while he was teaching against it. He began to weep, and then he came on the show and basically said, you know, hey, what am I going to do? God stopped me. God, God, <laughs> God did a, a, you know, uh, a Damascus Road experience for him right on, right on national uh, and uh, was recorded. It was powerful. And I mean, I just had to chuckle to myself. So Jesus made it clear. This is what God, through his son, was going to do and is going to continue to do for mankind. And I firmly believe that God still wants to intervene in powerful ways in our lives to transform us, to encourage us, to empower us, to heal us, and to do amazing things to open doors for our success in being a light for him. Now you notice I, I, I added there, because I think that is something we don't need to miss. Is that I think God always does something for a purpose. That when God does something, it's not whimsical. It's not without, it's not without meaning or, or purpose on a grander scale. That when God does something, you really need to stop and say, okay, what did he do this for? What is he preparing me to do? Why did he heal me? And why doesn't God, you know, sometimes God doesn't heal, does he? And there's a reason for that too. If God wants to take us home, well, then our race is done. And we get to go there and rejoice and experience heaven. End of the race, get our reward, boom, done. If he's delaying, he's delaying for a reason. If he heals us, he heals us for a reason, and we need to understand that. And often it's so that we can testify. It's often because we can tell people about the hope that we have, who God has made us to be, what he's done in our life, and then we get to share that testimony. And it's even greater than that here, you know, trying to preach the whole sermon here in five minutes, but just hang in there. So, Of course, the key to all of this is prayer. And what is prayer? It is talking to God and asking him to intervene by saving us, leading us, transforming us, healing us, and helping us become those miracle magnets for his glory. We need to ask him, and we're going to see that. God tells us that we have not because we ask not. We know that. And why don't we ask? Because we look to other people, other sources, other pastures, other promises. And it's so easy to do in, our, in the times in which we live. We live in a time where so much is, can be done for us and there are these new discoveries every day that just astound us. But they should never astound us more than the Creator. They should never impress us more than the one who can do anything He wants right now. And, and it's funny, I talk to a lot of people who've been in the hospital, hospital or experienced different things, and, and it's amazing that a lot of doctors, a lot of surgeons, believe in, mir- in miracles. They don't always know why, but they'll say, you know, look, I don't know what happened there. I didn't do it. So if, if you're praying and that works for you, keep on praying. And it's amazing. They see it all the time. Because God is still doing what he did. So, dear Christian, you are called to tap into those wonderful resources of heaven. 
They're yours to have. They're mine to have. And why don't we tap into them more? Well, I think it's because we forget. I think sometimes we get discouraged and so overwhelmed by our circumstances that we're cut, we're, we're caught in the mud and the mire, the slough of despair, and we don't know what else to do. You ever been to that place where you're so overwhelmed by your circumstances that you, you, get, you, just, you feel like you're under it? You can't talk, you can't speak, you can't, you can't cry out. But it's at, it's at that moment when we really, really, really need to remember what the Bible says and who God is and what he does. So three things that will help us live the miraculous life. Just three, there's plenty more, but three that I think we need to get. Number one, you must become filled with God's word. Got to be filled with the word of God. And, you know, I've got some material in my office that I hope to launch soon. And it's the 40 days of being in the word. I, I'm hoping to do that. But I, I really feel like, you know, we don't need to wait for a program to get 40 days in the word. I, I want to tell you, get in the word. You got a Bible, start reading it. I'm, you know, not very many people, not very many Christians have ever read the, the, the Bible from cover to cover. And I'm talking the contents too. Come on. <laughs> Read it. Read it from cover to cover. And, 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 and to be literate in the word of God, to understand it. I mean, I'm amazed at how many times Christians, they don't really understand basic theology. And, and you can get that by just reading it. Because God is such a beautiful storyteller. Who God is is always told in the context of something so easy to receive, so easy to understand. God treats us in many ways, just like little children, and, and he hands us truth by hand. I mean, he hand feeds us with that truth. If we'll just read, just read, read, read. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active. Don't you love this verse? It's alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword or double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's a very powerful verse. It gives us a lot of the purpose in what is taking place with the Word of God and what can take place if we'll get it inside us it says it's alive, it's active. The moment we read it, we let it come through the door of our mind and we, 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 we set the, the cognitive process in motion. The spirit, our spirit connects with that. Uh, our truth functions, everything. We were created as human beings to interact with the word of God. So it's like eating the best food you could possibly eat. You know, you, you see those, those different advertisements. Oh, they've discovered a new fruit down in weirdo land and and if you'll take that and grind it all up and you'll eat that every day you'll get muscular and stronger and sexier and I'm, you know what i mean well the only thing that can really really do that is the word of god okay everything else is land in florida that they're trying to sell you or a piece of fruit you know i was i was swimming one time and a guy was in there and he was trying to sell me this i don't remember the name of the fruit and i just looked at him i was like dude that there is no fruit on the planet that's going to do all that you're saying it's going to do. And especially one I've never heard of, okay? So, nice to know you. Anyway, double-edged sword that is like a surgical blade. So if you can think in terms of that scalpel that's able to come in there, right app, and just divide between the nerve. and I mean, you just wonder how they can do that. 
the laser-like precision. The Word of God can do that even more. Because what can divide between soul and spirit? What can divide between something that is so complex, something that, I mean, none of us can know that really without the Spirit of God, knowing the difference between what is me, what is soul, and what is the eternal part of me. I mean, it's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Of course, Brian's a surgeon, and he works with eyes. I mean, I can't imagine the detail of what, what he gets into there. But the Word of God even more. And then he talks about how he can divide even between the flesh because he, he throws in joints and marrow. But what I, I've got, for my point here is how it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I think that is the most impressive thing. And I'll show you. See, the word of God will produce life in us because it's alive and it's active. It's going to produce that life. It's going to get inside. It's going to begin turning on the lights of our soul. Nobody likes walking into a dark home, but the Word of God, the moment we read it, it begins to switch on the lights that we need, the areas of revelation, the dark corners of our soul that have long been you know, non, you know, unvisited. But the Word of God gets in there, ping, turns it on. It's like, oh, I didn't even know that's who I was. I didn't know that that was going on in that corner, right? You got some cockroaches, man. Now you know you got them. And Billy's shaking her head. She's like, no, what'd you do that for? You just ruined my day. Sorry, Billy. Uh, Romans 10, 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word of God is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, that's a classic verse for salvation, and we use it quite often in leading someone to Christ. And what we say is, look, if you confess with your mouth and you're believing in your heart, you will be saved. There's nothing more complicated than that. That's evangelism. There it is. But guess what? It, it shows us something even more uh, basic, something that it, it points to a principle, an activity that, um, that, is, that, it, that, that it covers everything. So in other words, what we can say is, look, if you confess with your mouth anything that's biblical, anything that's in the Bible, and you believe it in your heart, boom, it's activated. So when we think of healing, it says, where is the word of God? Well, it has to be in your mouth. So it's not just reading it, although that's where, you know, what we're talking about here is reading the Bible, but what do you have to do next with it? You have to memorize it, meditate on it, yes, 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 but you've got to speak it. It's not enough to just know teachers in the room. If the student does not tell you what the answer is, what good does it having it, having it on just the inside? You know, you say, does anybody know the answer? Anyone? Anyone? Like Ben Stein? Anyone? Anyone? You know, anyone? You got the truth in you, but until you do what? Speak it. Nobody cares whether you know it or not. And there, so what I'm trying to show you is that even in, in the natural, we can see that. But in the Bible, it says that has to happen. We have to speak it. That ha- in order to, to activate what, the power in that word, if, if you're going to put it together in a formula, it's got to be known in the mind, and it's got to be believed in the heart, and then it's got to be spoken with the mouth. Okay? Declared. Because that's when it all comes together. 
That's when it, the power is released. That goes all the way back to the, the book of Genesis, to the very first verses. And God said, let there be light. It's in the, it's in the scripture, the power of the tongue. We know this over and over and over again. And it works, it works both negative and positive, right? We can speak something negative. We can speak a curse. And man, what a fight. We've already talked about what James says. We don't want to talk about James anymore. We want to talk about what Jesus said, and that is how I can really activate some cool things if I will just but speak the word of God. Okay, so I got to get that word in me. You can't speak what you don't know. And this Bible that has nothing, it will not through osmosis get into your brain just sitting on your table. No one cares that you got a Bible sitting next to your bedstand. It, it won't work. It means nothing. It's just a book. But the moment you open it, it comes to life. The moment you begin to read it. Now, we learn this in Bible colleges, how the Bible was written in such a way is that almost any human being who can read will get it. And so that's why scientists, that's why sociologists, that's why people who, who, who in, in, in literary circles, they don't understand the Bible, and they never will. God says you won't because you've got to have the heart, the decoding. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to even decode it. But even, even then, it is written in such a simplistic, childlike story that you learn that anyone who understands just basic English can get it, can get it, can, can get enough of truth to absolutely transform your life. So, it says you'll be saved. And saved, of course, can mean saved in many different ways. Yes, saved in my spirit for eternity. But how about saved in my body for healing? Absolutely. Andrea led us in a song this morning. We're healed by your sacrifice. Right? Wonderful. Wonderful news. Yes, for eternity, but for right now, too. So, do you need some saving? The Word of God is near you. That's the promise it's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Can't get any closer than that. The key is, is it for it to be more than just near? It needs to be in us. Okay? And that is, that's where the meditation that somebody said that comes into play. You know, once again, I like talking about knots, and I love tying knots. And I learn it, and I'm going to teach you guys some of those knots at our survivor thing. But I love doing it. And one of the things that, that I, you know, I love to kind of extract spiritual truth out of almost everything I do. And what, I, what, what you learn is the more you do it, the more it becomes what? Habit. It becomes natural. And, and there are many times I'm going to tie something down, and you just say, oh man, gosh, what do I use? But now it's just like, oh, I know, bunt line, hitch. I'll do this, I'll do that. Figure eight, not will work in this situation. You got tools. You got, you got knowledge of something that you can use for something that's practical, and the Word of God has to become like that too. It has to become second nature. So that when you're in a situation and, 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 and a fear pops up inside you, how do you deal with that fear? What is the not for that? For that circumstance? What is the application of that truth? Well, see, look, just knowing it, have, just having read it once, just having heard it in a sermon, it, I have found it won't, it, it's not readily available. Unless you're carrying your toolbox with you everywhere, guys. How many times have we said, man, where is that tool? You know, it happens to me all the time. I'm just, hey, 
Who took my thingamabob? And now, thank you, Jason. I don't have to do that nearly as much. But, I mean, when you get the word of God inside you and you've been reading it, then the situation will come. And all of a sudden, you reach for a tool in your soul to deal with fear, to deal with bitterness, to deal with whatever's going on inside you. Boom, you got the tool, it's there, and you reach for it in your soul. I know what the Word of God says. Okay, so are you following with me with that? Do I, do I need to hammer that anymore? Say amen and I'll move on. There you go, see, you're getting it. But we gotta meditate on the Word of God daily. Let His Word permeate your thinking more than other thought strings. Mm-mm-mm. Now, it doesn't mean you need to talk with a King James uh, accent or, you know, do the, it's like that Christie story. Remember the gal, she, was, she always talked in these and thous. I wanted to say, you don't have to do that. No, and we don't either. But I tell you what, when we get the word of God in our thinking, it's amazing how it, 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 it is being used in our choices. It is being used in our decisions. It's, it will run to it very quickly. So number one, if you want to be a miracle magnet, you want to see more miracles happen in your life, get the word of God in you. Read it every day, morning, noon, night. Keep it near you. Read, meditate, speak it. Number two, you must have the right motives. You must have the right motives. Now look what it said in, that, in our verse early on there in Hebrews chapter four. It said the last part is one that we always miss, and that is that it judges the thoughts and intents or the attitudes of the heart. The more we're focusing on the living and living for God, the more God's resources will be available to helping us remain in the light for his glory. See, I think sometimes when I, you know, when I, at times I'll, I'll, I'll listen to people talk and a lot of their speech is centered, centered around getting rich or becoming more and more free to do things and and, and, and the pronouns are me, mine, I, and not a lot of, you know, them. And, and I think, again, if we're going to become more of a miracle magnet, I think we need to shift away from this that, that, you know, that it's all just for me. That if God wants to heal me, then, I mean, you make a good case to God. And I'll do that sometimes. I'll say, God, look, I need to be able to, be there on Sundays, and I need to be able to preach for you. You want me to stay here and live a long, good long life and serve you. I can't be limping around. And you say, that's kind of crazy talk. No, it's not. God, I, most times God is just saying, look, bring it to me. Bring me your arguments. Bring me your case. Bring your case before me. You find it in the Old Testament all the time, over and over again, appealing to God appealing to his mercy, appealing to who he is, but coming to him. And I think our motives, when, when it, when, and I'm not saying we're trying to twist God's arm, and, I, I don't, and, and it's not about that, because God knows our hearts, right? You know, you can't bring something to God, and God is just going, look, you can't blow smoke. I see that. I see through the smoke. I created the smoke. No. But look at John uh, 14, 2 through 14. No, that's 12 through 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Okay, we believe in him. He said, and what are the works that he did? 
Well, he healed the sick, right? The lame walked, blind could see. You know, and, and, and that's why sometimes I, I, when I talk to different you know, people who are not convinced of this, they will say, well, that bringing someone to Christ is the greatest miracle, and it's all culminated in that, and I'll go, no, that's not what he's talking about here. The greater work is not just leading someone to Christ. He did that effortlessly. When he talked about greater works, he said, man, you're going to go and do what I did a whole lot more because he only did it for three years. I'm going to do it for 30, 40, 60, 100. Same stuff, just a whole lot more of it. And he says, and why will we do the greater things? Because I go to the Father. He said, I'm going away. Now you need to do it. Makes all perfect sense. Whatever you ask, now look, now so look at the language because the rest of the verse will prove exactly what I'm saying here. Whatever you ask. Now whatever you ask means whatever you ask, right? It doesn't mean specifically ask. It says whatever you ask. In my name, now in brackets are me, and I'll explain that in a second. On account of me, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We're getting to some motive here. We're now getting to some motive. And I want you to catch that. This is Jesus speaking about miracles and the greater things we'll do. Let's go over it again. Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I'm going to do, you're going to do too. And these are going to be greater works than these you're going to do because I'm going to the Father. So whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let's read that together. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. There's the motive. That's the motive. That's what needs to be purified. That needs to be what's boiled down in us. That's what we need to get to the forefront in our thinking to become more of a miracle magnet. Because if you're walking around all the time to say, want a miracle, need a miracle here, And I'm not saying God eventually just stops and says, look, you're getting all the miracles. And you're just using them on you. And in some case, I am. Because what I'm trying to say is, what did I say earlier on in the sermon? God is healing us for a purpose, for a reason, yes. He's doing that, and there it is. Black and white. So that the Father might be glorified in the Son. In other words, that God would be lifted up through my life Because then I'm becoming a reflector of the glory of God, a deflector of the glory of God. I'm writing a book about all this right now. Pray for me, man. I'm I'm, I'm almost done here. i got to push to the end. But deflect the glory of God right here. So you want more miracles? Tell people about them. Tell people why you got the miracle. Tell people about your, the hope that you have. Speak. Pray for people. You're in the line and you see somebody walking around. I mean, be sensitive, but you know, ask them, hey, can I pray for you? And you may have, and, and this whole thing of, of reciprocity works same way here. You got a need in your life? Then give. If you got a financial need, you know, give. If you got a physical need, maybe you should start praying for other people to get healed. <gasps> get you a new revelation today? Bing. Yes. Yes. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
Now, what I wrote here is on account of me. See, what we think and what we walk away here often thinking is that to say in, in the name of Jesus is some kind of a magic formula. Okay? I've heard it preached. I've heard it taught. They don't say it in those, those terms, but, but it comes down to it. If you'll just speak in the name of Jesus, I mean, all this wonderful stuff is going to happen for you. No, in the name means I'm doing it for him. In your name, on account of the King of Kings. You see? You're getting that? That, that it all, I'm, I'm speaking in the name of Jesus, not just magical words, but in the name for his. Matter of fact, we might as well just replace it with for his glory. You, you got that? So I'm praying for somebody. Lord, I'm just asking you to heal my sister on account of your glory. See? In, in, and you can say in, in Jesus' name. But again, to get away from this whole, that, that, that's some kind of a magical formula thing because I think that's what we're missing. So if you want to purify those motives, if you want to understand more of why God wants to move through our life, then, then, then interchange that from time to time. And I'm not saying replace the word of God. Do it in the name of Jesus. Use the name of Jesus. But even add on to that for your glory because that's Bible so that we get it, so we keep our motives pure that we understand what it's all about. I'm convinced that in my name, again, it's not just a formula. It's something that God is helping me be a representative of him so that we'll be full of testimonies of his supernatural intervention, giving glory to him. Third and final point. You want to become a miracle magnet? You must approach God and ask. All right, you're right. He is in heaven but he's right here by the Holy Spirit, ready to help you, strengthen you, heal you, change your circumstances. Let's look at Mark chapter 11, 22 through 24. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and, it will, or they, and they will be granted you. I mean, that's pretty powerful language there. Again, scripture that we need to know. Again, scripture that we need to get a hold of. He's saying, to be, he's saying take this huge circumstance in your life and ask God to move it. See, what he's trying to point out here is doubt is an issue. But when we personalize our request and remember his promise, we can cut through the space between us and Jesus and move right to the heartfelt request. Because after all, he's the one that's invited us to pray. He's the one. It's him who said, ask me. And we got a lot of mountains in our life, and why aren't we asking enough? We're, we're just not asking enough. I mean, we got to start there. Why are there not more miracles in Christians' lives? We've got, it can't be God. Because that's what he does. He loves blessing his people. But I've got a sneaky suspicion. It's because we're not asking enough. We're not asking with the right motive. And we're not even asking in knowledge. Now, there are times when God just will bless us. And he's just like, close enough. Right? And I love the close enoughs. But I tell you what, you want to be the miracle magnet. You want to be a kingdom person. Get it straight. Get more word in you. Get your motive correct based on what it's all about and why. And then finally, get asking. James 1, 5, and 6, but if any man 
or any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And he who gives to all generously and without reproach, it's God who does it, and it will be given to him. And he's just talking about wisdom here. But again, I see this applying to every other area in our life. If we got a need, ask him. And God will give generously. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man not, ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. And so doubt can get in our way. But I tell you, I think doubt comes as a result of not knowing the promises. I think doubt sneaks in when we fail to ask. Or doubt begins to sneak in when we don't see it answered in the time that we want it. I think, to be honest with you, is that, that doubt is a static thing that is always there in the spirit. In other words, it, it, it keeps, it'll, it'll just keep growing on you. It's like a fungus. That's a good one. And unless you kill every spore, it's coming back. And doubt is the exact same way. It, it's, it's always there. Just kind of, have you noticed that? It's just always kind of back in there. Always wanting to sneak and begin to grow. And if I don't affect it with truth, if I'm not attacking it, sanitizing it, destroying it with truth, it's going to keep coming back. It's going to sneak up into my life, and the next thing you know, it's all over my stuff. Not good. And so it can begin to cut in there. So another reason why we've got to keep doing those three things just over and over again, reading the Word, Checking my motives and asking, approaching God. You know, the presence of God is a wonderful thing, and we're going to ask God for that right now. You know, I've talked a lot about what we do here on Sunday mornings, and that, uh, you know, it's about celebration. And that in the small groups, a lot of other kingdom things can take place. But I didn't mean to say that nothing happens here. Okay. As a matter of fact, in the con- there are special promises in the word that says when the congregation comes together, the presence of God comes down in a unique way. And so don't just say, well, look, I go to my small group, you know, I'll just check out on the, you know, the Sunday morning thing. They're celebrating, and I don't feel like celebrating today. You know, God still loves me, amen, moving on. Don't do that. Really don't do that because I think... And believe with all of my heart that there are special times. And you feel it. We're right there in worship and Andrew's leading this. And there's a, this moment. And you're like, does anybody else feel this? There's something going on. That's the moment when you just say, that's when you run to the mercy seat. That's when you come and just say, okay, Lord, whew, man, you, you just cut through all my motives right now. And, and my need has risen to the top. And I love you so much. And I thank you for forgiving my sins. And I got this need that's just sitting there right in front of my, my, uh, right in front of my face. Right there. And Lord, I ask you to just remove that, you know, and answer that need and to heal my body and to, to deliver my soul and remove that circumstance. Man, it, that's the moment when God is stirring the pool there in Salome, the, the pool. And it, when it began to stir, they jumped in, right? When God begins to stir the pool, that's when you need to get in. And so, you know, there are those times, and it can happen anywhere. It can be happen while you're driving your car. It can be happen while you're, you're having devotions and you're reading the Word of God. It can, it can happen, you know, here in our worship time or even right now as we get to ready to pray.
And that is that God is just saying, look, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready to answer your need. And so, but man, don't look at your watch. Super Bowl doesn't come on for a long time. All you're going to hear about, all you're going to hear is the guys talking about who's going to win. And, you know, <laughs> no, man, I'll tell you what, let's, let's just take a moment here. And don't be in such a hurry. And let's ask God to do some things. Do you have some needs in your life right now? You got a need for a miracle? I know many of you do. I know your stories. And even if I don't know your specific story, I've read enough books to know that your story is probably pretty similar. We need God, don't we? We need him. We need him. We need those miracles. We need those interventions. We need those times when he's going to heal our bodies. We want to live in the miraculous, right? I want to stay in the pool. Who's going to get out? That doesn't make sense. I mean, they'd have to be telling me every day, "Uh, Mr. Schmaltz, get out of the pool. No, man, I'm staying right here. And that's what we need to do. So let's stand up this morning. And let's ask him. Let's, let's look at these three, these three steps and apply them practically before we leave. And let's bring our miracle needs to him. And, and so what we're going to do today here is, you know, we don't do it every Sunday, but we do it from, from time to time. And that is we're going to open this altar up, okay? We're going to open up this, this front area. Because, look, sometimes we've got to mix that faith with an action. We speak it with our mouth. We, we take a step of faith. We move toward God. All of these things help us to mix that faith with the truth. So I'm going to pray first, and then I'm going to ask you to come out of your seats and come down here. And I'm going to pray and stand with you for God to do some miracles in your life. So if you've got a miracle need today, then you need to be down here. And if there ain't enough room, then still get out of your seat and stand in the aisle. That's fine. But let's come before the Lord. Let's do this. Lord, we come to you today. And Lord, we thank you for your word. It's true. It's altogether right. It's a lamp unto our path. Your word is living. It is active. It it is full of promises that, Lord, we want to explode in our lives in answers. God, when you say that we can speak to this mountain, to have it picked up and thrown into the sea, Lord, we don't want that promise to lay dormant in your word. We don't want it to sit there and we just push past it and say, well, not for me. No. You've invited us. You've promised us. And I love their direct speeches, and I will do it. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, all across this room this morning, God, we have needs, every one of us. Maybe it's not my need directly. Maybe it's a loved one that we want to see a breakthrough for. Lord, maybe it's a storm that's waging in our life. Maybe it's a financial need. Lord, a physical thing dealing with some pain, Lord, dealing with, Lord, with, with disease that, that we want to be completely healed. The medications are fine. All of that is fine. But, Lord, we want complete, miraculous restoration. Nothing but the mountain completely removed. Lord, I don't want just half the mountain removed. I don't want just the top of it gone. I want the whole thing from its very root and foundation 
out of my life. That's what I'm asking for. So Lord, right now, all across this room, we come. We come. So I want you right where you are, brothers and sisters. That thing that the Holy Spirit's bringing up in your life, you know it's there. I want you to step out. If you've got to go down the aisle, don't worry. People are going to let you out. That's what we're here for. We're not, we're here to get help from God. So just come. Come on up. If you're the first ones, press to the front. I won't keep you here long, I promise. But if you have a need, come, step out. And we're going to pray together. We're going to activate this. Lord, your word is near us. It's, it's in our mouth. And so, Lord, we need to speak it. I think the appropriate one that would be for us is right here. Right there in John. Actually, I'm sorry, in Mark. Right here in Mark. Now, I want you to see your mountain, whatever it is. Okay? Whatever that mountain is. A difficulty. Someone in your life that's making life hard. As I said, a, a, a physical malady, a, 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 a soul issue, can't get past something inside. That's your mountain. Look at it as a mountain right now. Name that thing. We know that's a mountain. So Lord, right now what we want to do is we want to speak to that mountain. Just under your breath. We're all up here together. We're all in the same boat. So Lord, we just speak to that mountain. Just under your breath, say, right now, mountain, be picked up from my life and thrown into the sea. Right now, this area of my life, Lord, I ask you to pick that thing up and just toss it out of my life. So, Lord, right now, I'm asking for your healing power to touch your people. I'm asking for physical bodies right now, God, that tumors be gone. Lord, cells that, that, that are diseased cells in bodies be gone right now. Organs that are not working properly to start working right, right now. Lord, minds that, Lord, where there's a psychosis, where there's, Lord, something that, that, is, that has been broken. And, and Lord, and, and even our loved ones. Lord, we want to speak on behalf. You've got a loved one that's struggling with this. We call that mountain out of their lives too, right now in Jesus' name. Mountain. Be gone in Jesus' name. Mountain, be gone in Jesus' name. And on account of your glory, dear God, on account of your glory, that, Lord, every one of us who are standing here, Lord, we will give glory to your name. We're going to honor you. We're going to deflect it. It's not what I did. It's what you did. It's not what I'm doing. It's what you're doing. For your glory, Jesus. Where there is soul bondage right now, there's a mountain. There's some of you in this room right now that you've got areas in your life that are tormenting you. They're, 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 they're little, whatever you want to call it, but it's a sin. It's in, and there's some of you that have got loved ones in your life that are bound by that as well. So we want to speak to that mountain. Lord, we speak to that mountain right now in Jesus' name. Be picked up and thrown into the sea. Lord, we ask that you'd come and deliver us 
Deliver us, Jesus. Deliver us from sin. Deliver us from evil. That the enemy and all of his lies and all of his uh, uh, confusions and, 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 and coming as an angel of light, where we've bitten into things, we ask you to pick that up and throw it into the sea right now in Jesus' name. So now, Lord, in its place, where that mountain, that, where Lord, our mess of DMZ has is, is just been made, Lord, from some, Lord, I pray, in its place, Lord, let there be peace. In its place, wholeness. In its place, joy. In its place, God, restored relationships. Restoration. Now on top, and the last thing I want to pray of you is this, because this is important. We're solidifying our motive. Lord, we want to leave here today to bring glory to your name. Lord, we want to tell others about what you have done for me. Lord, like the lepers, one came back. Lord, it's, it's those who went and told others, look what Jesus has done for me. Can I show you who my Jesus is? So Lord, right across, all of every single one of us, Lord, we determine in our hearts, God, to be miracle magnets for your glory. Lord, to be able to shine the light, to tell our, co- our neighbors, to tell our friends, when they ask us, well, why, aren't, why don't you have that anymore? It's because of what my Jesus did. It's because of what my Jesus did. So, Lord, may that begin today and may it continue to flow in our lives until, Lord, there's not a single mountain left. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning and let's thank him. So seal it, God. Seal it in us now. In Jesus' name. Amen.